0: Welcome to The Light Pod, brought to you by LightEye, a hub for ideas, education, and a little bit of entertainment when it comes to architectural lighting. I'm your host, Sam Corbel, And today, we're sitting in downtown Los Angeles, courtesy of SCI Lighting Solutions. They let us borrow a conference room so that we could catch up with a few people here locally in sunny Southern California. Today, I'm joined by Jess Baker. She's the lighting design studio leader for their California-based office. With offices in San Francisco, Jess has expanded that as she is in LA now. Jess, welcome to the podcast. How are things going?
1: I'm doing good. Thanks for having me, Sam.
0: It's great to have you. Here today. I know that you were at Schuler Chicken, Chicago, and you've continued to help them expand their efforts to move out here to the West Coast. What brought you out here?
1: Well, my husband actually got a job in the movie industry, so where else would you be besides Los Angeles? And it works out really well. We have family out here. We've been out here for three months and I'm getting really used to the weather. You know, the Windy City was kind of getting to us, if you will.
0: You know, I always said Chicago is probably one of the most amazing places to be so long as it's between the months (laughs) of about May and October. Winter is a little bit tough, but all things considered, Chicago is an amazing city with so much energy. And it's great to know that you're kind of bringing that energy out here to the West Coast. You've been at Shuler Shook for quite some time now, and I know that you're going to be working on establishing a bigger presence here on the West Coast, but today we're here to talk about kind of the foundation of where Shuler Shook started and something that you're very, very aware of through your experience and through your career there, and that is theatrical lighting and architectural lighting and how they might just have A little bit more in common than what we've thought about in the past but before we get to that i want you to tell everybody who's jess and how did you (laughs) get your start in lighting
1: sure so um, i'm actually quite proud of my entry into the lighting industry i think i'm a rare bird in that i actually entered in lighting an interest in lighting and not like as a kind of offshoot of a different topic, like theater, architecture, sales. It, it was just straight love for lighting. And I, as a high school student, was super into changing the world. Like that was my, that was the thing. Little Jess was going to change the world. And I majored in international studies and I had my green Saved R4 hoodie on and I was all about it and when I started college I broke my ankle and I had to drop all my college classes that I couldn't get to across the campus and they told me I had to take the seminar to stay a full-time student one hour there's only one left to choose from and it's called lighting your world and I'm like oh great (laughs) okay this is all right whatever I need to do and god it just changed my life fell in love with it this class was taught by this head of the graduate lighting department at UT, and he just manned the passion behind lighting and the storytelling it has, the emotional impact. And all you did in this class was talk about lighting, and you know we would pick songs to illuminate and think about the emotion of it, and I was just like, I have to do this for the rest of my life. And you
0: have to do this <laughs> for the rest of your life. Yes. It's a bold statement so early on. It's one that I can relate to, and it's one that I think a lot of people in this industry can relate to. They don't necessarily show up on a one-hour seminar course. As Barbara Horton put it once on this podcast, a lot of people are accidental tourists, including herself, in this industry. So you're definitely one of the rare ones that just from the get-go, you said, I'm in it. I want to talk to you a little bit about your early experience. You mentioned how light gave you an opportunity to kind of tell that story, and that's a lot of what happens in theatrical lighting. When you look at the theater, what does it mean to play? And, you know, that full-blown concept of a musical, a theater, a play, a drama.
1: I mean, playing is experimenting, right? It's When you think of it as a kid, you're kind of thinking of, being imaginative and you know playing in the backyard and creating stories and working them out or you're playing with legos or lincoln logs and you're kind of creating these new concepts but as an adult we're still playing and we're playing with our hobbies you know some people are playing sports and experimenting with what their body can do and we're making art and making music but i think we can play in our profession and just like Theater is kind of easy to see that, right? You're telling a story. I think architecture is just the same. We're telling a story where we're impacting, we're playing, we're experimenting, we're creating, and it's emotional. And I really love bringing that from the theater industry into the real world and the real world experiences.
0: When you think about Playing, and you think about creating those interesting experiences, and you think about the theater and where you really started in that. Talk to me just a little bit more about what it meant to be creative around that experimentation and creating a story.
1: And when you're in theater, you're the story's written by the playwright, right? So you've you've got the story, and you've got this overarching director who is deciding how we're going to tell this story, and. You know, you have to approach it with, how does my medium, what I'm bringing to the table, affect this story? And it's really fun to think of the visual imagery that connects to the emotion of the story and think about it on this completely psychological level. And I feel like you have to do that just to tell a story and you're looking at an environment that would otherwise be static and you use the emotional impact of light and color and pattern and focal points to really tell the emotion of a scene and try to make it affect a person like in their gut and they feel it you know and it's just so amazing to focus on that
0: (laughs) when you think about trying to make an effect on someone's gut you're like hey i can do that with light there's a playwright they're putting a storyline together They're putting some lines together. They're creating characters. The director does have that overarching vision, but neither of those people are thinking about all those things, right? The costume, the set design, the lighting design, the sound design, the list goes on and on and on. I'm sure, especially in the modern world, the pyrotechnical design, the moving stage design, the orchestra. I mean, it just, uh, the list is so on and so forth to the point where everybody really has to be trusted with their craft. Talk to me a little bit more about in the theater, what it means to be a trusted theatrical lighting designer.
1: I think you really learn how to communicate about lighting to people that maybe don't speak lighting. And the easiest way to do that is the emotion. You know, people understand feelings (laughs) and kind of conveying the feeling you want in a scene the director might not know exactly what you're going to do to create it. I can remember doing straight plays and a very heated scene and there would be a lighting cue that would last two minutes five minutes long that it's just like heating up you know it's raising the intensity it's getting a little warmer on stage i don't even think the director noticed (laughs) but i know they felt it and that's kind of the beauty of it is you make sure you're on the same page of your colleagues your other team members your director and make sure you connect on that emotional story that's being told and then they trust you you know they trust you to tell the story because you're on the same page.
0: Trust is a big thing when it comes to working on a team and collaborating. Being able to communicate, though, is at the foundation of all of that. And you brought that up earlier. Lighting is a way to communicate a feeling and emotion. So many people open their eyes every single day and don't do anything but just observe, absorb, and, and use their visual system and totally take it for granted. As a lighting designer, you take advantage Of that visual system what's it like to know that every human's superpower of being able to see is actually your biggest tool when it comes to creating that experience in the theater
1: i mean i think it's funny that for people that are focused on lighting you know we always talk about you walk into space and you can't not look up you have to look (sighs) at the lighting around you yeah but i kind of had to teach myself to then feel what it was what am I feeling? How's the how do I feel in this space? Did they do it right? <laughs> you know, am I feeling the way I should be? And I think that's a cool way to approach it and think about asking your friends when you're places. Like, I got to love asking people that aren't noticing lighting. Don't don't point out like the cove light that's out. They don't care. But ask them how they feel about the way the environment is and the mood it's setting. It's interesting. It's a little, it's more subtle than theater, which can, you know, really hit you in the gut.
0: It's subtle, but it's not. And I promise you we're going to get there. When you think about the theater, most people have probably been to a theatrical production, whether or not it's a dance recital that you grew up being a part of, or as an older brother going to a lot of them (laughs) in the lighting community. You could say a lot of people do that, but just generally speaking, movie production is very much a theatrical production as well at a ridiculously high level in a way more complicated process, right? That costs even more money, which is just absolutely insane. But you mentioned as a theater consultant and a lighting designer, sometimes you have to get scrappy. We (laughs) we talked about this earlier, right? You you just got to learn how to get it done. You got to learn how to make that emotion happen because it's critical. It's critical to the success of that story. Talk to me a little bit about what it's like to have all that pressure to perform.
1: I kind of live for it. I live for the constraints because that's when the creativity really, really comes out is when you you don't have every possibility in the world to choose from. And you really have to get down to the root of your purpose there and what your lighting design is is there to do. And because we are architectural lighting designers, we have to first think of function and make sure that we are providing adequate lighting quality to provide that function of the space. But where lighting designers really shine is how to make that function also meet the just emotional needs of the space and what the occupants are going to feel like in their space because making memorable experiences and moments is, is that's why we're here on this earth is to create a collection of experiences that are our life and it's not just about providing adequate foot candles on the task plane and you need to think of everything else and all the other elements to it
0: it's about those memorable experiences it's walking into a theater knowing you're going to see something whether it's a a live theatrical production or a movie. I mean, who doesn't come out of something like that and go, damn, I can't believe two hours just went by, right? Or holy smokes, why am I still crying? Or, oh my God, that was the most boring thing ever, right? There's a span of emotions, but there's this opportunity to really impress upon humans by creating an experience. And that is what the theater is all about when you look at what you learned as a theatrical consultant and working in the theater, what do you think has always stuck with you the most from that, that you've brought forward into your practice as an architectural lighting designer today?
1: I would say the impact that something so impermanent can leave with someone and thinking about that subtle effect that you can have, you're there to enhance the story. And if it's a good story, It can kind of, it can stand on its own. It's got this, its own legs to it. That's why, honestly, an actor standing on a bare stage can be the best performance of your lifetime. But when you are able to enhance that even just a little bit, you just feel like you've contributed to making such an important story more impactful. And I think that's what I try to carry into the real world. So, you know, when you think about theater, You're telling these, you're just, you're talking about people's experiences, whether it's a make believe experience or a real experience, but architecture, it is the experience where we're creating the real world experience. So it just seems so, so much more important to have such control over stories that people have and even just those small little impact you can have on someone's life. Could just be, it's just incredible.
0: I want to dive more into creating spaces that we live in every day as stories, not something that you walk into and out of, not something that has a use case, not something that's a vertical market, something that's a story, right? You create it and you do it with several different things, light being a very important part of them. We're going to take a quick break, but when we come back, we'll catch up with Jess a little bit more and talk stories and lighting. Sound good, Jess? Sounds great hey real quick this podcast is sponsored by a hub for ideas education and a little bit of entertainment when it comes to architectural lighting they bring things like this podcast and short videos that celebrate lighting that tell stories about lighting that really just have fun and give you the chance to learn wherever you are on demand check them out at lytei.com And welcome back. Over the break, Jess and I were talking a little bit more about really how at Shriller Shook and in lighting design, they think about not necessarily putting light in spaces, but rather putting light in stories, even though they're static stories. Then again, are they static stories? There's a lot of technology out there these days. Talk to me a little bit more about what it's like to approach a project. When you look at designing a a space that people will be in every single day as a story.
1: I like to start off by, it's kind of similar to what I mentioned before, when you're working with a director and you're making sure you're on the same page. Well, you're kind of interpreting a story and a playwright's intention by reading it but we get this opportunity to connect with an owner. They're kind of the playwright in architectural world. They're the ones that have the story that you're helping tell. So first off, you've got to connect. You've got to understand that person's story. What are they trying to say? And oftentimes they might not tell you exactly and you kind of got to <laughs> interpret it a little bit. You know, if someone's saying-
0: Because just to clarify, owners don't write their own RFPs. They hire somebody to say, build me a building. Right. I need space. These are the things it needs to do, and you figure out the rest.
1: Exactly. And so if you've got a school that says they want their students to be more productive, well, what is productive? What story are you trying to tell? And maybe a better way to think about it is how can we motivate these kids? Motivation, make an environment motivating and get them more engaged. You're not gonna want a kid to just feel more productive. What's the root? What's the emotions behind being productive? And what's that space feel like? So, you know, I usually start a process by lots and lots of image research, and that's from the theater world, you know, showing a director. It was so common to just show a director a photo of a hurricane <laughs> it has nothing to do with lighting but you know I'm like this is this is this play I want my lighting to feel like this hurricane photo I think that's how we have to kind of communicate to our clients to our owners we need to think more abstractly in the beginning and help that inform our design and yeah it's hard to think at the beginning how does a hurricane eventually become a, like a high school classroom but you know if you're trying to make an environment feel really energetic it's a good place to start
0: I want to break down that hurricane a little bit more. Okay. It's a really good analogy because it is ridiculously abstract. And I'm sitting here going, "Uh, Jess, I don't know how to light a hurricane. I don't even know in the theater how I would, you know, I'd put six strobe lights on stage and I'd go, and that would be the hurricane, right? But no, the whole point is it's an emotion. It's that story that you want to create. It's not productivity. It's what makes you productive. So when you use a general sense of a theme, almost. And somebody says, yeah, I like that. How do you dive deeper with them to start to pull out the answers that you're looking for?
1: So I'll give you another example. I've worked on a office headquarters huge huge building it was two million square feet four stories and one tenant in the whole building and you felt like you were walking through a mall when you were trying to get to places you could tell they kept on talking about wanting to make connections and make collaboration areas and make people feel more connected it was very clear that they wanted to energize a community and have a feel of community and an energy in the space because it was so flat because it felt like a mall. So, we wanted to show them what a space could feel like, what's energetic, what's energy feel like, what is a bustling community within your giant two million square foot hub. And feel just like. to be
0: clear, you weren't talking about lighting, you were just talking about energy. You were talking about a feeling and an emotion, a story that you wanted to create in the space.
1: Exactly. So, what we ended up doing is we put together kind of like a mood board. And on that mood board, we had photos of, there was a hurricane, <laughs> there was, there's clouds whirling, maybe not hurricane level, but that look of clouds rushing by and street lights, cars rushing by at night, that kind of whirl look of lighting. So kind of starting to bring lighting into it. And then we started to show some photos of Lighting fixtures that might be arranged in a pattern that had evoked that emotion. So it's kind of like taking them down the emotional journey and showing them spaces that start to feel and exude the energy. Everyone knows, can feel the feeling of a hurricane. But if you just start with a photo of fixtures that are curving, no one knows what that feels like, you know, And designers are the ones that will know, I can take this technology that I know about that the owner's not going to know about and tell this story in the right way with the right atmosphere. So you kind of have to help them get there, help them understand the atmosphere you want to create and make sure you're right.
0: Being right is never a bad idea. Generally speaking, you do want people to be happy with the work that you put out, which requires a, an investigative process. It, it, it requires some form of a playwright, which in this instance, you're largely suggesting is generally speaking the owner and their opinion, which may or may not be the same day to day, which can make things even more difficult. But as you talk about lighting and what it can specifically do, it's harnessing that power, that knowledge gap that everybody else has that you don't. And it's understanding technology and the design principles and putting them together. As you think about the theater and what people experience there, and architectural lighting and the knowledge gap that you are able to fill, how do those relate to each other?
1: Theater's been using color much more than the architectural lighting industry. I mean, thats it's a fairly new finally starting to put some color in our in our everyday lives and actually the DOE is projecting that uh, color changing systems are going to be more energy efficient than white LEDs. The future's there. This complex technology is going to get more complex and but theater's been working with color forever. It was old scrollers so they were just big gel strings and you'd pick your color and mix and kind of come up with clever mixes of color, but that is so strong. It's it's so surprising to me that we don't use color. And the other thing that I feel like we can learn from theater environments and design and storytelling is movement of light. We don't put much movement into our <laughs> architectural environments it can be so powerful where it's appropriate as opposed to just doing movement because of daylight harvesting purposes you know maybe you can cleverly use that energy efficiency to add additional movement in the space you know we've got these really complex control systems that can do so many amazing things and we've got now these spectral tuning systems that can do amazing things and I love the conversation around human-centric lighting, but I just wish it was a little more about the psychology and the emotional impact. And this technology that we have, how do people feel about it when they're in the space? If you're doing a tunable white system in your office space, it's pretty easy to say, I'm going to do this for circadian-centric lighting, but really focusing on the story you're trying to tell with it. And the person in that space and how they feel about the colors changing the 5000k in the morning because i know when i walk into an office space i turn the lights off which is terrible (laughs) but i do think it's it's something we have to think about how people are experiencing these spaces and how they want to experience take that information take the knowledge we have from scientific research on our systems and come up with a good story and how we want people to experience the space and not just write it off of tunable white is going to be (laughs) the way I'm going to design this.
0: When you talk about the dynamic notion of lighting and creating movement, you can literally move the lights, right? You can have a beam flying across. You can, as you just alluded to, change the color temperature of white light. You can also introduce color into the space what is your favorite way or what is your favorite approach when it comes to subtly suggesting let's put some movement in the space
1: i really enjoy working with color gradients and things like that but trying not to stick with the static typical colors you know trying to pick colors that fit the emotion of the environment usually there it's a small step to take people so if someone's like i want my corporate environment to have this blue bright royal blue wall and it says well what are we trying to say with this wall is there a movement or a color gradient is this supposed to excite people do we want some movement in that blue do we want shades of blue do we want intensities to change on the blue wall do we want this to be relaxing and subtle maybe we need some little lighter blues green hues maybe it's cascading you know what are we what are we trying to say with this blue wall with your branding you know what's your brand you know what's behind it so i love that and it's usually an easy step but The complex step and something that's a little harder to to kind of coordinate and get people on board is motion, kind of mimicking motion in the space and the occupants. We can start to play with this more and more with occupancy sensors. When you walk into a room, what does the light do? How does it move? How does it come on? When you walk into a conference room for code reasons, it shouldn't come on to full, (laughs) but if you walk into a room and it comes on to 50 because code dictates it. Why didn't we design what it came on to? Why is it all lights on at 50%? How do we want it to come on? Can it slowly come on? Maybe the table comes on and then the walls illuminate. You know, what's the mood we're trying to create with our environments when we walk through them?
0: Right there, it's simple right have a time delay on a system that everybody knows and designs with every day well we have a control system to control the three layers of light in the room trigger them one second apart so that when the lay person walks into the space that could honestly care less about the lighting it tells a story hey look there's the table that's where you should sit down by the way how about this beautiful artwork on the walls I assume that it takes them eight seconds to walk and look around and sit down and after eight seconds the lights automatically dim all back down to 30% because it's likely the first person in the room and the meeting hasn't started And they're just going to sit there and relax. Ready, set, go, right? Technical director at the theater, he's calling this, right? Go, go, (laughs) go, go. There's a cue on a headset every 60 seconds in the theater. Nobody hears it. Everybody just sees that and they create an entire experience. In architectural lighting, there isn't only an opportunity to do that, but today, the technology that's available to Everybody that's actually commonly used can do all this stuff. And that's the intrinsic nature of design right there. That's connecting the dots.
1: It's hard work to do this. I mean, it can be exhausting. But, you know, we're talking about a conference room. But imagine all of these public spaces that are really affecting people like train station. Imagine 2 million
0: <laughs> square feet of an office <laughs> yeah, space. Yeah, exactly. Imagine a train station. Imagine yeah. a sports arena. Right. Everywhere. All of this is an opportunity. And I'm going to go out on a limb here. You tell me if I'm right or wrong. Sounds to me like controls are like 90% of the battle, which I know everybody sits in meetings day one and talks about the controls of their lights and their building systems, right?
1: Yeah, totally. Those sequence of operations are totally getting written. Yeah,
0: absolutely not. In case anybody doesn't know, we're joking here. It's the last thing anybody talks about.
1: Yeah, it's in the commissioning time, right? It's take careful planning for that commissioning time and and careful documentation of it too. But it's hard. It's hard to plan all this stuff in advance.
0: (laughs) But if you... Are focused on a story from the beginning that the playwright has written that is out there. There's no reason you can't advocate for that from beginning to end, which is what's super exciting and super interesting. When you think about architectural spaces, I think this is a little bit of a loaded question, but you tell me what percentage of projects that you walk into do people say? Oh, yeah, we'll totally sit back and like talk about a story for 14 hours before we get to work.
1: Yeah, it's zero. Yeah. (laughs) Whereas it's like 100% in theater, right? Yeah. It's drastically different. So if we could get close, (laughs) we could just do a little more, do something, have the conversation at all. You know, I find that architects are talking about this early pre-design with the owners, but we're usually not involved yet. So I do think it's important for lighting designers to ask architects, where's your original mood boards I realize that you might think I might not like them or they're not relevant to me, but we as lighting designers can catch themes in what they're picking. You know, we can get the emotion. We can start to see the story and dissect it in a completely different way. At least get that story in our conversation too.
0: And I might argue that if those mood boards don't exist, it's an opportunity to support the architect and the owner and the entire design team to say, I know you've gotten this far, but we're going to help you define this mood and this story a little bit more before we start plopping things left and right. And at that point, what is a conceptually designed empty shell? Super, super exciting. It's super interesting. It's fascinating that there's always an opportunity for lighting to make an impact no matter where you are in a space. It is a story. It is creating movement, whether or not it's how your eyes move, whether or not it's how you physically move throughout the space, whether or not it's what you're attracted to, right? Creating a visual. Terminus by lighting the end of the Hallway and nothing else in the hallway Versus lighting the hallway and not The end of the hallway because there's a door Every four feet you know down a Corridor in a hotel versus like You know a long hallway past the kitchen to a Restroom and a high end hospitality environment That's got a beautiful picture with just a couple Art lights at the end of it these are Might I say theatrical moments In an architectural world but We don't need theatrical moments we can just have Theater in real life
1: Exactly. Real life experiences being designed. And it's for everyone. That's the thing that's so beautiful about theater and storytelling is it should be for everyone. Everyone has a story at every level of projects. Projects with no budget, projects with huge budgets, they all have stories. And I think theater is a testament to how clever you can get in designing with no money at all. because it's not a medium that always has money to tell the story. Architectural lighting designers have the skills and the knowledge to, to pull out that story and, and get clever and creative to tell these stories at any budget level. It's not easy, and it needs a lot of reminding throughout the design process, especially when you get to that VE stage. But it's such an important driver for every project.
0: I know that at Shuck. You're both theatrical planning consultants and architectural lighting consultants by profession. I've got to imagine a lot of what we talked about today as a lot of the cafeteria talk at lunch is a lot of the opportunity to honestly just share fun ideas across what people may perceive as two completely different realities. But as you've kind of helped us describe today, it's all the same thing. It's light. It's creating an emotion. It's telling a story. What are you doing at Schwiller Shuck as a team and as Jess to help, you know, kind of push these boundaries in further let people think about lighting in a different way.
1: I will say I'm a big advocate for Pinterest boards because where they are also sources of trouble with UL, non-UL listed fixtures that architects fall in love with. Pinterest actually is a good place to find visual imagery that speaks to you. And it's important to kind of try to get off the beaten path of looking at just open office spaces, for example, but also just trying to find art and any visual interest. So Behance and things like that. So our team shares images all the time and kind of talks about them. We used to, when we were in the office, have Uh, boards on the walls where if you found it in your LDA magazine, a beautiful image. But it really starts with collaboration. And it's something I love about architectural lighting more than theater lighting is you're not just one lighting designer, you're working with others. And it's just incredible when you can come up with that story together and remind each other that the story is important (laughs) throughout the process. And, you know, constantly ask why, why are we doing this? Why did we make this choice for this space and kind of hold each other accountable for our designs throughout the process? And it's just so much more rewarding as a team (laughs) to come out the other side with a beautiful story and, you know, something that you feels impactful.
0: Making an impact is really, I think, what it all comes down to. No matter what you do, no matter where you are, it's always great to be able to look back, see something experience it and know that you made a difference it goes without saying as a creative and as a designer that's pretty much at the top of the list jess thanks so much for catching up with us today if people have more questions, they want to reach out to you, they want to get in touch, what's the best way people can get a hold of you?
1: So my email is jbaker at shulershook.com. Please, please feel free to reach out on the West Coast. We're so excited to be growing and be in this warm, beautiful weather. And, you know, I'm really excited to meet the community out here. And theater planners have been out here for quite a while now. So we're excited to be expanding the lighting practice of Shulershook. We're shook on the west coast and but of course wherever you are in the country we've got our other offices too and you know i'm really looking forward to sharing these stories with the the california coast and just you know making beautiful work
0: good luck in la good luck up and down on uh, the entire beautiful coast of california <laughs> i hope that a bunch of opportunities ahead of you to tell stories to create environments and to uh, maybe uh Toss a hurricane or two in there as well. We'll talk to you soon. Thanks, Jess. Thanks. And that's our conversation with Jess. A really fun one. One that's inspiring and one that might help you think about lighting design in a way you've never thought of before. If you like this podcast, do me a favor and go back to that app. Click that like, follow, or subscribe button in whatever podcast app you're listening to it. That's the best way to never miss another episode of The Light Pod, where we talk all things light. We tell stories about light. We interview people that are passionate when it comes to telling stories and making sure that we see things in a more fun, beautiful, and rich way. Until next time, cheers.